The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. Drilled to center field and deep. Back on it is Eaton. To the track. To the wall. It's gone! Kevin Longoria with a two-run home run to straightaway center. And he gives the Rays a 6-4 lead here in the ninth. Coming up, we'll recap the action from this past week. Take a look around Major League Baseball and sit down for in-depth interviews with the biggest names in the game. The 2-2 now. Check swing on the slider. Strike three. Chris Archer jumps off the mound and bounces his way to the dugout. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to our show. Today on the program, we'll visit with some of the injured looking to return, like Matt Andrees, and learn about the tremendous comeback effort of Johnny Venters. Doug Wechter of Fox Sports Sun will discuss what's happened this week, and we'll get some national perspective from Hal Bodley. Well, we continue on This Week in Race Baseball. My feature guest this week is Matt Andrees. And, uh, Matt, it's great to see you. First of all, it was good to see you last week in Anaheim, and I thought it was great that the Rays, while you're rehabbing out of the All-Star break, let you spend the time in Anaheim. What did that mean to you? Yeah, it was great going back home for the All-Star break and uh, enjoying my time there, and uh, it was very very convenient that the, the team was there right after the All-Star break, so I was able to go there and, you know, do my rehab stuff, play catch, get my treatment in, and, you know, be with the team on the road. It was, it was, it was nice being there back back home where I grew up playing and or watching games and being able to watch a couple more games there on the road. And I think, you know, the the important part of that is they realize the importance of your family and also being together with your baseball family. It really is that kind of atmosphere with this group, right? Yeah, I mean, I feel like we have a really close-knit group. And uh, just to be part of that, you know, starting the, the second half and, uh, you know, winning that series was good to be back and kind of get my get my mind back into baseball mode. Is it different this year? I mean, you said the closeness of this group. Not that the other groups weren't, but does this feel a lot different this year than it did the previous couple? Yeah, I, I just think, uh, you know, like the front office has done a really good job of, you know, picking picking and choosing a couple guys here and there that to add and uh, to make the team, you know, the good camaraderie. And it just I think it's all come together, and, I mean, we all get along, and it's just a lot of a lot of fun guys together. I think fans are anxious uh, to get you back at some point. Let's give them an idea. First, how are you doing right now, and what are you doing? Um, just I'm waiting on the doctors to clear me when the team comes back home. But, uh, you know, just right now, just doing baby steps, uh, doing light workouts. Just started playing catch last week. So uh, just building up my stamina, and I'll be ready to go. Hopefully throw a bullpen this weekend or next week. So which is very, very promising going forward. Tell me, because most fans, unless they're going to WebMD or something like that, they have no idea what you've gone through. What is a stress reaction, and how did did you find out how this really all happened? We still don't really know exactly how it happened. It's not really a common injury in a, in, a, in baseball. They said it's more of like a, a contact-type injury, which is kind of hard to believe. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I started feeling it. That that day in Texas, I don't know what exactly happened, but uh, we thought it was a growing strain, and uh, came back quickly right after, and re-injured it again against Oakland. But uh, yeah, stress reaction. I think it's tough to explain, but it's almost it's like a borderline almost fracture, getting to that point, and uh, it's just kind of like a broken bone. You got to it's got to heal. So six weeks for the bone to heal. 
and uh, I think it's I mean it's almost been six weeks and so I can just get back and back in the groove and get my body back in shape how hard has it been and has it made you appreciate things a little bit more yeah I mean taking time away from the game it's not easy by any means especially you know I was feeling pretty good in the beginning of the season but um, you know you can start analyzing the game a little bit and learning from just watching which I've never really had the, the opportunity to do since this is my first time on the DL um, but yeah I mean kind of just you can slow down the game a little bit and just think just thinking more instead of being involved and uh, just watching how certain guys make certain pitches or you know just like the little things but I think I think you can take a lot of positives from it what types of things are you learning you know because I'm always curious in talking whether it was an Alex Cobb or when Matt Moore went through his injury and they're all different they're all different lengths of time but what are you picking up that you think may help you yeah, I talked to Alex a couple of times because he's had some lengthy stays on the DL. And, uh, you know, you you can't get too wrapped up. And, uh, you know, if you, you'll drive yourself crazy if you start thinking about baseball daily while you're on the DL. But, you know, and even watching the games on TV at night, just just watching how different pitchers attack hitters and, you know, it's taking a step away from the game and watching just, you know, just the little things like that and kind of you can put yourself in that situation. What would I throw here? What do what would I need to do with, you know, in, in a big situation? So, I mean, just it's, there are little things, but nothing, nothing too, uh, too important where I, I, I could really just like sit back and watch and understand what's going on. You, you know, were injured at a time where I thought you were going through your best season at the major league level. Was it harder because it was the fact that you were doing well? Or is it harder because of the fact that the team is doing as well as it is and is in a playoff position right now? Yeah, I think it's more of like the team aspect. I think, well, luckily we've had some guys step up and, uh, you know, we've kept our winning ways. But at the same time, for me selfishly, I I felt like I was having a good year and I wanted to build off that and keep it going. But, uh, you know, a a lot of stuff happens for a reason and, you know, we've had some guys come in and step up, which have been huge. So I'm excited to get back out there and help this team, you know, make a playoff push. Matt Andrews with us on this week in race baseball. One of those guys is Jake Faria. How hard is what he's – I mean, he's made it look a lot easier than it is since you're not that far removed from your rookie year. How hard is what he's doing is is that? It is hard. I mean, he's thrown up quality start after quality start. And I think if you just take a look at it and, you know – He's coming out there on a, you know, daily basis and putting quality start after quality start. It's it's very impressive, um, just especially coming straight up from AAA. Just you know, and I mean, he's got, you know, when we're in the playoff push like that, it's it's even more a little bit more pressure on him. So I think he's doing a great job though. Certainly is, and obviously helping this team in the position they're at. Do you have a timeline, or are they trying to keep that away from you right now in terms of your return? Um, at this point, yeah, I I know I'm, I'm on the 60 days, so I'm not exactly sure when the the day is I'm eligible to come back. So I, we haven't really gone over any return dates yet, but I think it's just all based off of how I feel and you know how those rehab starts come back. And hopefully, those rehab starts are not that again long away as we chat with Matt Andrees. 
you know, we mentioned that this was to this point your best season. What do you think was or, or among the reasons that you were doing as well as you were at the time? I think it's just getting more comfortable and you know, I'm building off of each year and getting more confidence and yeah, I mean, just fine-tuning little little things. I, it's not like I created a new pitch or my stuff was that much better. I think I just got, you know, a little bit better mentally. And, um, yeah, I mean, just my changeup's actually been really good this year, and I've been using that a lot. So, um, yeah, just like little things, but I think it all – I think it was all there in the last few years. I think it just comes together. Joe Madden had, had said that he always thought of baseball players in stages, five stages, and I'm curious what you think about this. You know, they're happy to be here, survival mode, believe you belong, all you want to do is make as much money as you can, and all you want to do is win. And his feeling was, I want everybody in stage three, believe you belong, and or stage five. Do you think this year you kind of got to that stage three mode, so to speak? Yeah, I, I think so. Um you know, my first couple of years, it was tough, you know, have, having some success and then, you know, being sent back and forth a little bit. My, my rookie year last year, you know, starting the year in the minor leagues, coming up, pitching well. Um, I think those are all just little, you know, growing stages. So I think it's all come together in a sense of for this year, you know, um, I'm definitely, I've always been excited to be here, but now it's about winning and putting together, a, you know, a quality team and going out there about my business, doing it the right way. You know, you talk about maturing and growing, and you recently got engaged. Congratulations. Tell us about that. It was good. Uh, I've had some time to think, absolutely, being on the DL, but I uh, went back to back home for the All-Star break and popped the question, and, yeah, it was it was a good good moment, and we're excited about it. How uh, how'd you do it? How much do you want to reveal? I won't reveal that much, but we went. Out, we were at the beach, and she loves the beach and sunsets and stuff like that. So we did a little privately, you know, at the at a hotel, and I had a little reservation on the beach, and it was it was a good time. She was very excited, and obviously, I'm sure you are too. Now, I mean, this kind of a new phase of of your life is again. We chat with Man Andres. I mean, I would guess um, probably best All Star break you could possibly have. Yeah, I'd rank, I'd rank it up there pretty highly. First time I've actually been able to spend it at home, so it was it was a good time. With that, you know, you mentioned home. Um, you talked about being in Anaheim. I'm kind of curious what your best memories in Anaheim were growing up and going to baseball games. What sticks out to you? Um, just you know, growing. I mean, I would always. I'm a huge baseball fan. Even growing up, I was a huge Angels fan. Um, going to games, my mom and we'd go out there every, you know, Mother's Day. We would, we never had like the season tickets or anything. We would just kind of spur the moment. Let's go to a game. But um, just like watching the, you know, 2002 World Series team, like with Troy Percival, uh, Francisco Rodriguez, all those guys. Um, that that's probably the memory that sticks out the most. And watching that group of group of guys. You've done some pretty good things athletically in your own right. You were named part of a Hall of Fame. This past off season, tell us, tell our fans a little bit about that Hall of Fame, and what it meant to you to be recognized. Yeah, it was a. Uh, it's the Riverside Sports, uh, the city of or the county of Riverside Sports Hall of Fame, um, back where I went to, went to school at UC Riverside. But uh, yeah, I mean it was a great recognition, and to have my name on the wall there, it's 
it's kind of cool being from a, you know the Inland Empire myself. So you were part of collegiate team that had what Joe Kelly and a couple other major leaguers too is it weird when the Rays faced the Red Sox or is it have extra meaning do you guys talk well what's that like yeah um I talked to him in the offseason a bunch and we get together and play golf and all that stuff but yeah I mean during the season we see him so much <laughs> it's not like we always hook up or go out and get dinner or anything but it's it's more of a text hey good luck that type of thing but yeah it's cool to see other guys from college and that we're playing and pretty good uh, alumni group that's continuing to grow at uc riverside um for this season to end the way you wanted to kind of look forward for us what what do you personally and and for the team i mean obviously we're right there in the thick of things um you know it'd be great to win the division and move on like that just go deep in the playoffs even win a world series obviously that's the that's the main goal but for myself, I just want to come back healthy and, you know, give this team an opportunity to, and a, a chance to win. Well, you've done that at the beginning of the year, and hopefully you're able to do that at the end of the year. Best of luck in getting back and healthy, and we appreciate some time on this week in race baseball. All right. Thanks, Neil. That's Matt Andrees. We continue in just a moment. This is the Race Baseball Network. Welcome back to this week in race baseball. I'm Neil Solons. Rays interplay today tied for the wild card lead, three and a half games back of Boston, the American League East, and joining us to talk about the week gone by, Doug Wechter of Fox Sports Sun. Doug, thanks very much for joining us. Neil, what's up, buddy? First uh, three-game losing streak for the race since the middle of June, so it's been more than a month. At this time, with the trading deadline again looming, how do you make sure as a player and in that clubhouse that you don't push the panic button, you just keep things as normal as you can? Well, I think, you know, it's a long long road, uh, long season, and you got to remind yourself how great we were playing going into all-star break. So, um, yeah, we have lost the last three, and the way we've been losing has been a little frustrating. I think we've been giving the games away and not so much just losing. Uh, we've had the lead in the last three games, and, uh, you know, as a player, obviously that's, that's something that you want to address, giving up the leads, you know, mid to late in the game, and that's um, it's just frustrating all around. But, you know, you, you, you remind yourself that it's a 162-game season. Uh, and we were playing great going into this, and three games is not going to just, you know, derail your season. So it'd be a good day today to get Odorizzi out there, get him second good game in a row, and we're going against a guy in Tyson Ross. Uh, I think he's got a 7-2 ERA on the season. So this would be a good game to take uh, moving out of this series and going into the next. You know, even though they've lost three in a row and there have been four uh, losses this week, three of them have been 4-3 games, the margin isn't that much off to getting back on track is that something that you take a look at as a player okay you're losing by one run you just got to make one play here one play there and it all changes yeah you know as a player a loss is a loss first of all so I mean you look at it and you're thinking all right the loss what happened what can we do to adjust it now obviously if you're dissecting the loss it's better to better not be blown out and uh, just be losing by one or two runs that being said you know it is a little bit easier to make up that one to two run margin uh, I think the biggest thing so far from what I'm seeing is, you know, our offense has been held to three runs or less um, over the last three games. Mm-hmm. And we've gotten so accustomed to seeing this offense, you know, launch the ball out of the park, put up a lot of runs for our starting pitching and relieving to be able to, you know, do the job and shut the door. So it'd be nice to see the Rays get out there and get off to an early start offensively and see if we can put up more than three runs today and uh, give a little bit more support to uh, Oda Rizzi. 
No doubt. Uh, that said, you know, you catch the ball yesterday, you do win the game. You know, the, the big news today around here is the acquisition of Sergio Romo. I don't think he's the only one the Rays are going to make to the bullpen. But, I mean, does that help a clubhouse knowing that the team is out there trying to find additions and help? And how much can a veteran guy like him who's had his playoff experience help? Well, first of all, I love the move. And, you know, you can look at it on paper, and if you don't know much about uh, Sergio, then you look at it and you're like, well, why are we picking up a guy in the bullpen with a six-plus ERA right now? Mm-hmm. Well, look at his career. This guy is three-time World Series champion, career 2-7 ERA. Uh, I think he's got right-handers only hitting, what, 189 lifetime off of him. Uh, he's got a great slider. He's got a really good fastball command, which are, by the way, the two reasons right now that uh, his ERA is a little bit elevated. All the reports I'm getting is that right now his slider hasn't been as sharp as it has been in the past. And I think this is a perfect guy to bring in because now you've got a guy in Jim Hickey who is basically a doctor, a surgeon of uh, pitching mechanics. And I'd say he's probably the best out there who's been able to bring these guys in and get them back to where we know they can be and where they we know we can pitch. And Romo is no different. I mean, Romo's going to come in here I think he's going to be able to make a couple small adjustments. And I see this guy pitching the back of our bullpen and really pitching some quality innings for us. Um, and it is nice. You said you were asking about, uh, you know, as a player, do you see um, the front office and them moving forward and trying to make acquisitions? I think it's great. As a player, that's very, uh, that's very uplifting, knowing that these guys have your back. They're going to go out there. They're trying to make it better. And they're also looking toward the postseason now. It's not so much of, hey, let's let's look at the course of how the Rays will be in the next five years. It's right now, we want to win. We're positioned to win. And I think we can make a strong run. And like you said, maybe with another arm in the bullpen after Romo, possibly another move. But I think we're positioning ourselves pretty well to make a good run toward this postseason and hopefully go deep into this postseason. Doug, good stuff. We appreciate you coming on, and I'm sure we'll see you soon at the Trop. Always, buddy. Good talking to you. That is Doug Wechter again joining us from Fox Sports Sun on This Week in Rays Baseball. Now, we discussed the Rays potentially upgrading the bullpen. Certainly, it would be a great story if one Johnny Ventures were to complete his comeback and help the Rays in September. Ventures is trying to get back to the majors for the first time since 2012, and I sat down with Johnny in Port Charlotte to first explain what happened to him last year. I think it was like June, end of June, where I hurt, hurt my elbow again in the game um, for the Stone Crabs. And um, I had a pretty good idea the way it felt that I'd probably, you know, done some damage in there. And I went and saw the doc and had an MRI, and, you know, he confirmed that I tore my ligament again. So from there, you know, I was kind of, at that point, my mind was kind of leaning towards, you know, doing something different. You know, I was kind of at that point where I was um, ready to move on, you know, and a little, not long after that, I spoke. I sent they, the Rays sent Dr. Elitrosh, my surgeon who did my surgery, um, the MRI, and I spoke with him, and he presented me with an option to to not do a full Tommy John surgery again to um, go in and I guess where my ligament and flexor had torn, uh, I was kind of like torn off the bone, so he gave me the option to you know reattach it, kind of like a primary repair type of thing I think, and the, the rehab and and stuff is a little shorter. It's like eight, eight or nine, ten months, as opposed to you know Tommy John being much more drawn out. And and he would he said he wouldn't do a, a fourth Tommy John on me because my bone I guess has been drilled into so many times that it's kind of 
he was worried about it, uh, you know, breaking or something like that. So um, he, he gave me that. You know, I spoke to him for a while, and he, he presented that to me, and I was still kind of – I was 50-50 if I was going to get it fixed at all because my – you know, the doctor said my quality of life would be fine. I could play catch with my sons the way it is, and I just – you know, I couldn't throw hard, which, hmm. you know, I don't need to do that anymore unless I'm playing. So um, I took a good – after I talked to Dr. Elachash, I took a good five, six weeks um, before I decided what I was going to do. My family wanted me. They uh, they wanted me to do it. They really wanted me to try it again. My, everybody close to me wanted me to do it. And uh, I felt like I would have been stubborn, being stubborn not to do it, just because I, you know, I didn't really. At that point, I was still leaning toward not playing anymore, not trying to, to do that. But once I talked to them and my agent and everybody close to me thought it was a good idea, I felt like that they were probably right at that point, you know. So I decided to go ahead with the surgery, and I think it was in August I had it done. And, uh, I, you know, I didn't have a plan from there. I was going to do some rehab at the house on my own and, and see my see my therapist that I did my rehab back home and maybe pick up a ball in January and see how I felt and, and go from there. I didn't really have a plan. I wasn't set. I didn't set my mind to make like a full-fledged comeback. I was gonna see how it felt and kind of move forward. And then uh, the race, which stayed in touch with me and, and Joe and Joe and, and I stayed in touch with them. And and I was, I think it was in late January. They they we started talking and, and talking about me maybe coming back down to to try this thing again. And and uh, I'd been I talked to Haim and and they've been great through the whole thing and, and I was you know to be honest with you I was a little surprised that they were still interested in in, in doing it you know after the that one the last one didn't go as you know we thought it would um I was surprised but I was grateful to have them be interested in bringing me back you know it says a lot about them I think and, and it meant a lot to me so medically there was no PRP injection there was no stem cell there was just a reattachment that's it not yeah. that that's it I mean no 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 no, uh, no PRP or stem cells. He just went in. Um, you know, I, he explained it to me, and I, 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 it was a little beyond me. Um, but he, he went in, and I guess the ligament, the the flexor had torn off the bone, and it, 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 it I think, the way he explained it is, it, it pulled the ligament with it, kind of, kind of thing. Um, so he went in, and he said he was. I have a titanium button in the back where he, he attaches my ligament through the bone with, and uh, he took that out, put a new one in roughed up my bone, made my bone bleed and, and stitched the ligament and or not the ligament, the flexor and stitched it back on and I think he used some artificial stuff. I'm not sure. You know, I am not I'm not positive, but basically yeah, he, he put a new button and reattached the ligament to the button and, and the and then reattached it the flexor and stuff to the bone. You've got obviously a tremendous amount of passion for this game mm-hmm. to want to do this again and a tremendous family. Yes. Uh, the, I, you know, the, my family and, and the Rays and, and my agent, and, and they deserve uh, a lot of credit for me being here because they, they were supportive and, and even believed in me when, when I didn't. You know, I wasn't sure that I, that I wanted to do it again. And uh, I'm very grateful for all of them to have them all here for me. And, uh, yeah, like you said, you know, I was still on the fence. And, and I, once I decided to do it, I knew that I had to – go at it with you know everything I had because it's not one of those rehab's not one of those things you can go into kind of half half-hearted so once I decided to come down here and and, and do it um 
you know, at that point I was excited about giving another shot. Muhammad at that point felt good, and it still does. Like I said, I'm grateful for the opportunity to be here. To pitch in games? I mean, this soon after it? Are you Have you surprised yourself? Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, I was a little concerned about, you know, getting cranking it up so quick. Um, once the, the doctor said I could, you know, be cranking up pretty quick and I was like okay, okay that sounds good and then once it came time I was like I'm a little, I was a little concerned but it's it's really responded at every at every step it's been you know I haven't, I haven't had any any issues so far so but you know it can, it can go south quick I know that I'm gonna keep my fingers crossed and keep keep doing my work and and hopefully it uh it holds up what are you hoping for this year I just want to play I just want to pitch and, and and be healthy and you know let everything else take care of itself if I can get people out but mainly, I just want to play, man. See what happens. I think everybody that's rooting for you to get to the big leagues again. What would it mean if you were to get there? I mean, have you even thought about that? You know, I try not to let myself because you know, after the last one failed, I, I'd let myself get kind of optimistic about it, and 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 I thought about some things like that. And then once it failed, I tried to take it day by day. And I'm, you know, if if I if I got back to the big leagues, you know. It, it, I can't imagine, you know, I, I would, it'd be an amazing feeling, but, uh, I tried, you know, use the old cliche, I take it day by day, man, and, and go out there every time I, I'm scheduled to, and, and hopefully get through it, and move on to the next one. You're some kind of example, I would think, for all the guys in this clubhouse in Port Charlotte, and all the guys down at this complex, what do you think that, maybe not intentionally, but you're teaching them? I, you know, uh, I hope if they if they get if they if these guys can can learn pick up anything from me it's, it's how to work and how to be a good teammate and how to you know be where you're supposed to be do the things you're supposed to do and and carry yourself you know as a professional um, but be a good teammate and, and every time you they call your name then you know give it everything you got. You mentioned your family, mm-hmm. your boys Walker and Wyatt probably don't quite understand all this. What are you going to tell them when they get older and get old enough to understand about what you did? Well, I mean, uh, yeah, my, Wyatt was, I think, two the last time I pitched in the big leagues. Um, so he doesn't really remember. And they're still pretty young, five and four. But I don't know if I would really say much about it to them, to be honest with you. Um, I would like love for them to get to see me pitching in the big leagues again. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm cool with, with – uh, you know, if they find if they are interested in baseball, maybe going, we'll go through it. But other than that, I'm I'm okay with it. And your wife? I mean, she's been through the ringer and back. I would assume I would assume she's been your rock. Yeah, my wife. We've been you know we started dating when I was 14, so she's been through it all. You know, minor leagues, all the surgeries and all the rehab and all the struggle. And she's always you know she's always been there for me and supported me no matter what. I want you know she. She's definitely been the rock, so she's she's been just a huge part of this. You mentioned you're feeling good. I mean, what's different about you as a pitcher, as a thrower, as anything now that you're going through this again? Yeah, um, yeah. Um, this this one's been, uh, you know, pretty pleasant. You know, in the past one, I, on the days I would pitch, uh, the, day, the next day I was really sore, and this one I haven't really had much soreness. It's been easy to get it going pretty quick. I'm not throwing as hard. Um, part of that, you know, I'm, I'm I'm not sure if I could throw much harder than I am now. But I'm tr- I went into it maybe thinking 
if I toned down my effort a little bit, maybe my arm would be able to uh, withstand that better than, you know, I was always kind of a max effort kind of guy. I kind of went out there and gave it, gave it all I had, the, you know, every time. So um, I feel like other than I'm throwing a few miles an hour slower, uh, everything else feels pretty good. The ball's sinking for the most part, and uh, my change on the slider feel decent. So um, I couldn't be happier, to be honest with you, with the way I've it's responded after outings, and it's it gets going quick, and my stuff's been okay. I mean, it's not not what it used to be, but we'll see. We'll see if I can get people people out with it. Well, so far, so good. And you know, you you know, you mentioned slower, but it's not like you were a guy who you relied on a lot of movement. I mean, your stuff you were successful because it moved more than it was the velocity, right? Yeah, I think it was a a little bit of both. I think it was more the movement than anything, but. Yeah, I wasn't a, a upper 90s. You know, I was a 93, 94 kind of guy. And the, this year I've been more 90, 92. So not a, maybe not a couple miles an hour, but the sinker still feels good. And, and I feel like it's doing, you know, it's doing okay. That is Johnny Venters, an easy guy to root for. Before we continue, let's pause for station identification on the Race Baseball Network. Tampa Bay Sports Radio. Hit a wall. Gone. 620 WDAE St. Petersburg and 95.3 FM. Home of the Rays. Coming up on this week in Rays Baseball, you hear from the Rays Hard and Hustle Award winner plus a minor leaguer with a unique story and Hal Bodley on the trading deadline after this on the Rays Baseball Network. Welcome back to This Week in Race Baseball. I'm Neil Solons. Logan Morrison this week was named the Race Hard and Hustle Award winner. It's the first time Logan has won that award with his team. And for Lomo, who's bigger on wins than awards, he's taking the recognition in stride. Maybe it's one of those things I'll look back on and be like, yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, but as right for right now, it, it doesn't mean much. Um, trying to win games here, trying to get into the playoffs, win the division, and um, hold the trophy up at the end of the year we get to hold up that World Series trophy with all those flags on it and uh, we get rings next year, um, those are the awards that matter to me. To be, though, the heart, I guess, a heart and soul type player, heart and hustle, heart and soul, however you want to look at it, of a team that's winning, I think it probably does say something about what you've meant. Yes? Um, to this point, at least. Yeah, I mean, again, that's something, I guess that's a question you'd have to ask uh, my teammates. I'm not a a good self-evaluator when it comes to that stuff. Um, you know, I just try to focus on what my job is, and my job is to help these guys uh, win games, um, both, I guess, on the field during the game and um, the hours previous, too. On that end, how enjoyable has this year been to this point? Yeah, it's been very enjoyable. Um, you know, we've, we've done a lot of... Uh, a winning this year through some tough scheduling, um, playing extra inning games and and just grinding them out and being able to come through and win games we probably shouldn't win, but that just goes to you know the guys' character on this team. Um, you know, it's a new guy every every night feels like doing it, and um, just very proud to be a part of this team. Is this different from any club that you've been a part of? I mean, whether it's here, Marlins, Seattle, in terms of that ability. Um, I don't know. Uh, the only thing I can say is that we're very balanced lineup. Um, we pitch, our starting pitching has been really stinking good. And, uh, 
we've scored a lot of runs. Um, we're playing a lot better defensively. Um, so if we can continue to do those things, we'll be right where we want to be. Has it made it all the more gratifying? Obviously, they made the decision to bring you back. I know Evan pushed very hard to bring you back, but your decision to come here. Yeah, I mean, I, I told Neander when um, I signed, you're going to get the deal of an off season, and so far, so good. So hopefully we can keep it going. Why has – obviously, you've had the better – the best results you've had, but why? Uh, a lot of different factors contribute to that, but um, being comfortable, having – Chad Matola, um, kind of, you know, whether he needs to talk me down from a ledge or um, keep me under control mentally, um, he's been pretty spot on with what he's said to me and um, being able to keep things in perspective. Uh, you know, as a, as a baseball player, you always want more and feel like you can do more. Um, but he, he's done a really good job of helping me, you know, move on and go get the next one, things like that. Um, you know, teammates have been great. Um, let me be me and um, let me yell at them and do all that kind of stuff. So um, keeping keeping me comfortable and again, I think it's just boils down to being able to really compete and want to win games. That is Logan Morrison. Congrats to him on what he's accomplished so far this season, the Hard and Hustle Award winner for the Rays. Congrats as well to the Rays' second pick last year, Ryan Bolt of the Charlotte Stone Crabs. Bolt was named Florida State League Player of the Week for his recent play. It's awesome. Uh, it's, there's a lot of great players in this league, and it's just it's uh, it's great to have the honor. But um, I'm obviously continuing to um, look to make that next step forward in my in my game and keep uh, developing in a positive direction. You know, you look at your numbers this year, and it looks like each month you've gotten better. How have you improved during the course of this season, and where have you improved? Yeah, I just uh, I think I've kind of figured out my strengths even more than I had at the beginning of the year, kind of figuring out um, how pitchers are, are going after me and uh, what I can do to kind of counteract that. Um, I think I've been progressing w- with that throughout the year and have developed a good approach to, to be able to stay um, inside the baseball and, and uh, drive the ball a little bit. What are the strengths? You mentioned you've learned your strengths better. Yeah, I mean, just sticking to the sticking to my approach and being on time with the fastball is, is my biggest thing. If I'm on time with the fastball, I can... I can uh, kind of see, see breaking pitches up and um, I'm able to react to them better if I'm, if I'm staying on the fastball. Now, last year you went to Hudson Valley. You probably didn't have the best start you wanted in your professional career. Did that motivate you? Did that help you? How do you, how do you think that maybe led to the success you're having now? Yeah, I mean, um, I, can, I can say that I kind of got out of that approach last year. Uh, once I left college and got, in, got into pro ball, I kind of um, lost my way and just kind of started swinging at stuff. I, I guess that helped me, helped me learn throughout the offseason on what I need to improve on. And uh, obviously there was a lot of areas there. And uh, to help me uh, moving forward through this year to kind of stay, stay with that approach at the plate and being on time with the fastball and stuff like that. So it, it definitely has helped me. I think what's impressive is not only that your numbers have gotten better, but they've gotten better in a league where the heat can wear down a player. How have you stayed fresh, and how have you survived the Florida heat? Yeah, um, big routine, uh, just sticking to my routine, uh, getting to the ballpark, doing doing neuroscience, lifting, doing all that stuff, and just sticking to routine has, has helped me stay focused mentally. Uh, it was the biggest part, and uh, just be ready physically day in and day out. Was there anything that you did differently in the offseason to get ready to that maybe you learned from your first experience as a pro? I don't know. It's hard to say cause just because that was my first offseason to, to kind of experience. So 
there's there's some same things I learned in the off season that I'll, I'll do the same and do differently next year. So I'm just just getting my body ready ready physically so that I, so that I can perform in in these months down the stretch. I guess more so I was asking, you know, did you put on some weight going into this season that you've been able to hold better or maybe added a little more speed than you had at this time a year ago? Where are you, let's say, physically better than you were, let's say, after you got drafted? Yeah, my legs are definitely under me a little bit more. I, I ran a little bit more um, than I had as far as long distance and just kind of being able to keep my keep my endurance and stuff like that and um, running sprints and stuff in the offseason just to this time of the year, the heat, the heat is on, and um, you got to have your legs under you, which which I feel they are for me right now. How different is the the pitching that you're seeing now as compared to what you saw at the collegiate level? Compare that to the Florida State League. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot of great pitchers out here in college. You're, fa- you're facing you're facing a good pitch, pitcher one one two times a weekend maybe, and uh, I mean you're you're facing dudes every day here, and just just to be able to stick with the approach that I have of staying on time with the fastball and adjusting to breaking stuff up and, and putting good swings on is uh, what um, has led to some of the success I've had. Now, on the journey, that, you know, we had Johnny Ventures on earlier in the show, and he's been on some journey, but you have too. Can you explain for our listeners what you went through as a child and how that changed you? Yeah, um, I grew up throwing left-handed and uh, obviously still hit left-handed but when I was about nine years old I I threw a baseball broke broke my elbow and uh was never able couldn't really recover from it had a couple surgeries on it and the doctor said I probably shouldn't throw with the hand anymore so at the age of 10 or 11 I believe uh, I switched over and started throwing right-handed and have ever since and uh luckily it's all up for me obviously you have some kind of perseverance and I would say love for the game too would that be fair to say how did that love for the game develop yeah definitely the love for the game definitely uh developed watching my brother play baseball he's he's nine years older than me and I just grew up watching him play and he he was the one that kind of helped me transition to throw right-handed he'd take me in the backyard every day and and uh throw baseballs until I couldn't throw anymore so um it it took a while but uh thanks to him um he helped me to get where I am today and before you started Nebraska you were drafted out of high school and could have started your pro career but also again you had to go through adversity then too yeah I did um the my first game in my senior year of high school I uh, tore my meniscus in my knee and was only able to, only able to play that one game and um got drafted by the Red Sox in the in the 22nd round and ultimately I uh, ended up going to to the University of Nebraska which was um I think the biggest blessing um I grew up a lot as a person and as a player at Nebraska in my three years there I couldn't uh thank the coaching staff and all the people around me there to help me get to where I am today one of them is the manager or head coach and Darren Erstad who's a longtime big leaguer what did you learn from him and how do you think he's helped mold you yeah, the whole the 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 being in the lineup every day and just the mentality of how you go about your business, um, day in and day out is is one thing that I that I learned from him because, I mean, it's it's tough to get to the big leagues, but it's tough to stay in the big leagues, and he was able to do that and um, just to pass along some some mental tips along the way of of what it takes to get there and what it takes to stick uh, is definitely something that I'm going to keep. Um, leaning on as I move forward. Is there anything in particular you kind of hear in your head from him every now and then that really has stuck with you? Yeah, just the whole the whole idea of sticking to to what your what your strengths are and sticking to um, not letting outside factors affect um, how you go about your business day in and day out. Um, I mean, with the with the weather here in Florida, you never know what you're going to get, and um, that's something you can't focus on because um, if you do, that might um, 
come into the back of your mind and you might not be, if you do end up playing that day you might not perform at your highest level so just just sticking sticking to factors that you can't control um, is one thing that I'm he he told me that I'm definitely continuing to do one thing that is difficult about the league is the weather but one thing that's a plus is you're so close to the rays you get a lot of rehab guys is there any rehab guy in particular that you've learned from during their stint and if so why one guy that sticks out to me is um i mean he was here for just a short time but brad miller he's just he's just a great guy on and off the field and just just talking to him just little stuff uh in batting practice and stuff like that of whether it was hitting the ball in the air hitting the ball on the ground just taking swings and stuff like that just just little stuff just chit-chatting with him um was pretty cool that is ryan bolt the team second pick in last year's draft now hitting 293 in the florida state league with the stone crabs a 776 ops with 13 stolen bases and 43 runs batted in now we turn back to the majors and joining us the dean of major league baseball writers from mlb.com senior correspondent hal bodley hal thanks very much for joining us Thank you, Neil. It's always fun to talk to you, and especially this time of the year. No doubt. I mean, this has kind of been a looms, right? It, it's been a, a strange year. I mean, how do you assess what's gone on this year in the American League? I mean, it's Houston and everybody else, right? Really, and uh, I think the big surprise, of course, in the American League East has been the Rays and the fact that they've played so well and Toronto has played so poorly. To me, that would be the two big stories in American League East, and uh, we have to see what's going to happen. And certainly, with the trade deadline looming. Uh, the Rays have a chance to get even better. No doubt. Um, you know, they added Sergio Romo. He will be added to officially to the roster tomorrow, and the Rays will have to make a corresponding move. He's had a, a down year, but he only had pitched in 25 innings. So how how much can a guy who's had that kind of experience help, especially since he's coming to a league where he hasn't faced a lot of these guys before? He's been the NL West his whole career. You know, I really think that uh, he's not the answer. I think he's going to add depth to the bullpen, which obviously the Rays need. Uh, he's a veteran player, adds experience. That'll be very, very good in the clubhouse, and it'll be good in the bullpen uh, for the other young pitchers. But I think that I hope that this is just the first move the Rays are making because, uh, you know, we follow this team, and, and, and Martin Fennelly the other day wrote a column about how important it is for the Rays to do everything they possibly can to improve because they have a op- great opportunity to uh, to get into the playoffs this year. so But I don't think he's the answer. I think he's a good move. He adds experience, depth to the bullpen. But I think they need more than that. I tend to believe you're right, and I think they are working on that. And I think we'll we'll find out in the next week what additionally they add. Let me start at the top. We'll get more to the AL East in a moment. Give me your take on Houston. As good as they are in the regular season, do they have additional needs that would help them in the postseason? And if so, what would they be? Well, I keep hearing that they're talking to Oakland for Sonny Gray. Uh, that would probably be a big, you know, big addition to their pitching staff, considering they've got a problem there with the injury. But uh, that's a very good ball club. I mean, I don't think anybody thought they would gel and the young players would, you know, mesh so well with the veterans this year. But this is a very, very good team. Very, very few weaknesses in the team. I think, uh, it's, to me, it's the best team in baseball right now. The thing that impresses me the most about them, and I'm curious your take on this, and I know, look, they're missing Carlos Correa for the next what, six, eight weeks more than likely with the torn thumb. But how that group as a unit has cut down on their strikeouts, even with the new guys from a year ago. I mean, they're now at the bottom where they used to be at the top. We know it's spring training. They talked about quality at bats, quality at bats. And I think that is so important. And and so many of the young players uh, need to have that taught to them. You know, pick out your pitch and swing at it, but don't swing wildly and don't give up a good at bat. Every at bat counts. 
and they have certainly shown that they can turn that around this year. And I, I think, you know, when you look at all the teams in baseball, and there are a lot of bad teams in baseball this year, I think that's a really good lesson that they can learn, and they can learn it from the Astros because they were able to do it. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of teams hovering around 500, too, and, and I'm curious you're taking a couple of the teams out west, the one the Rays are taking on now in Texas, and one that uh, won last night in the 10th inning over the Yankees in Seattle. Do either of those teams have a good shot in your mind at getting to the wild card? You look at their talent, and they would seem to be much better than they've been record-wise. No, I think the wild cards are going to come out of the American League East. Uh, uh, Texas, uh, John Daniels, the general manager, is not sure whether they're going to be sellers or buyers at the deadline. Uh, every once in a while they think they can become a buyer and, and you'll get back into it. But, uh, you know, to be that far back at this time, eight and a half games or 18 games back, I guess it is, uh, that's going to be very, very difficult to make up. And I don't think that they can get into the wild card race, uh, not with possibly the Rays and the Yankees and, uh, and Minnesota. Uh, and so do you expect them to buy or you expect them to sell? And does Darvish go anywhere in your mind? Well, they keep talking about that. I read about that today. I, I think they're going to be, be sellers. Uh, we'll just have to wait and see, obviously, Neil. But uh, they, they've got to look to the future a little bit. This is going to be, you know, really difficult for them to get back in it for this year. I, you know, I think the, there are teams that are in a quandary. I think probably maybe more so anyone in the AL Central. Kansas City. Uh, this could be their last go-round, yet all of a sudden they're now one game back of the wild card and one and a half in the division. It's a really tough decision for Dayton Moore and company to me. Didn't you write them off a few weeks ago? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, they were playing so poorly, and now they're right back in it. Uh, it's a division, I think, that the Minnesota and Kansas City, uh, they feel like they can beat Cleveland, although Cleveland obviously is the class of that division. Uh, but uh, Kansas City, this is going to be a year where they're going to have to make a lot of decisions because if they don't do it this year, I think you're going to be see a complete overhaul next year. And, you know, for Cleveland, I'm kind of surprised they haven't run away with it. I know they're coming off the hangover of the World Series loss, but they still have so much more talent to me than the other teams in that division that they're only 5 over 500, even with wins their last couple, to me, it's really surprising. When they were lulling around in second and third place and it didn't seem like that uh, Terry Francona was ever going to get them going, I said the same thing. This team I picked before the season to, you know, run away with that division, but... uh, you know, it's uh, you know the hangover, and sometimes when you get to the World Series, like the Indians and even the Cubs did last year, uh, they forget what it took to get there, and they think that they can just push a button and they're going to be back there this year, and they learn the hard way that that doesn't happen. Does Cleveland need anything else at the deadline, and if so, what would it be? Well, I think they're looking for some pitching, but uh, it's going to be hard to make a deal for them, I think. They don't want to give up the young players. And And they were a team that also was said to be in the running for J.D. Martinez, which I found a little bit surprising. I did, too. When I read about that, I wondered why they were doing that. But uh, you never know what. You know, years and years ago, Neil, a general manager, uh, John Quinn of the Philadelphia Phillies, told me 100 years ago that all these rumors you hear and all the names you hear bandied about, don't believe a thing. It's the <laughs> trades that are come along and they surprise you that are the ones that are really going to be made. And that might be the way it is this year. But, you know, we're all working the phones. We're trying to find out who's going here and who's going there. And, uh, like, for example, the Rays. Uh, Pat Neshek of the Phillies, they really like him. The Rays have had their scouts in the Phillies minor leagues last week trying to find out what young players they might go might be uh, available to make this deal. So uh, I, I don't know. Uh, it, it's, a, it's such a funny time of the year that players themselves hate to pick up the phone this time of the year because yeah. they don't know where they're going to be. And, you know, in this division, the Yankees have been the team that's made the biggest move this week. Yet yesterday, one of the new guys, uh, Dave Robertson, who's an old Yankee, was the guy who gave up the lead, and they had a chance to win their first three in Seattle, too. You know, my 
my sources tell me that the Yankees are trying to decide whether or not they can beat Boston, win the East, or whether they should just go for the wild card. If they're just going to go for the wild card, they're not going to make a huge deal because they don't want to give up the farm system. They don't want to give up a lot of the young players there. Uh, I think they feel like they can win the division. They can maybe catch Boston because the Red Sox have been inconsistent. And, and you know, you don't be surprised if they go after Sonny Gray. I mean, I, I really, I've heard that, and pitching is obviously something they need. Uh, but uh, they feel like they maybe can catch Boston, I think. But if not, they're going to just go for the wild card. And speaking of, what does Boston do? Boston is really hurting if they didn't get the third baseman they wanted uh, when Frazier went to the Yankees. I think that was more of a, a move to, to you know demoralize the Red Sox as it was to improve the Yankees. Uh, I would have liked to have been in the front office of the Red Sox when that deal was made because they were trying to get a third baseman, which is something they really need. Well, it should be a very interesting next week in change, eight days from the trading deadline. How badly we appreciate some time on this week in race baseball. Thank you so much, Neil. Again, that is Hal Bodley, again, senior correspondent, the dean of Major League Baseball writers from MLB.com. We thank Hal for being on the show and all our guests for being on the program today, including Matt Andrees, as well as Doug Wechter of Fox Sports Sun, Johnny Venters on his comeback effort that I think everybody is rooting for, Logan Morrison on winning the Heart and Hustle Award winner, and also raised minor leaguer Ryan Bolt. Hey, if raised pitchers strike out 10 batters during a home game, visit canestrikeout.com. Obtain a printed home voucher to take any Cane's Furniture Store within seven days and receive a coupon for a free Whopper sandwich combo meal from Burger King. If you ever have something you want to hear on this show, all you have to do is tweet me. You can do so at Neil Solons or at Rays Radio. For my producer, Jason Berenger, Neil Solon sing till next week when Brad Miller and much more will be on the show. Stay tuned. The pregame show is next. You're listening to the Race Baseball Network.